So you don't know anything about this story? No, I have no idea. Okay, you just know Missy. You, I just, you just know, know the Missy name Missy. Yeah. <laughs> well, her name her name's actually Terry, but everybody calls her Missy. Okay, that's the most southern shit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's take one five letter name and just give her another one <laughs> i i mean missy's it's very it's very cutesy but i think it maybe plays into it plays a bit into her personality and like what we'll learn a little bit about her because she was a very social person she was very well liked very well known in this community but I'll, I'll get into all of the details on that but before we do i guess we should say hello hi everybody welcome back to creep time with silas dean and Stu. Hello. I'm sweating bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're sweating? I'm sweating bad because there's no AC in here, like I told you. And now that I know we're about to do a deep dive into this case, I can already feel a trickle coming down my my forehead. And I'm like... Oh, my God. We need to get you, like, three box fans. (laughs) I need, like, a a full Whitney Houston rag. Just, like, (laughs) hold, like, a rag on stage. (laughs) That's what I need at all times. (laughs) Oh my god! Is it not hot as hell in DC? It's hot as hell here. It's like ninety-seven, swampy, muggy. That like today it's there was muggy. it was yeah. it was so swampy because like DC is literally built on a swamp. It is. So it's no, that's just, true. <laughs> I've read about oh, this. It's <laughs> awful. Um, but uh, like today we were having all these. Sorry, is there, is I there a ghost? Some, the, <laughs> is there a spirit? It's not a ghost. It is the um, the janitor who is so sweet. <laughs> He's like looking at me, like, "Can I come in and vacuum?" I was like, "Hold on." <laughs> um. Anyways, but uh, me yeah, just, it me is just looking just for so, extra content. I'm like, she saw a spirit on camera. Honestly, not no, clickbait. Honestly, like, <laughs> I swear to God, this is not clickbait. Like he, thank God, he's really nice, and I've talked to him. But that would have spooked me. Because he just appeared, like, in the glass door. I saw you veer off to the side. Backpack. I was like, someone's in the room. <laughs> someone's there. <laughs> well, I'm happy you're safe. I'm happy you are, you are not encountering the paranormal just yet. No, not yet. Also, one thing I forgot to tell you before, in the vein of, like, us getting together to actually record these in person, um, because management was like trying to organize this like how can we all get together how can we get you two together at the same spot and then they were running with the idea they're like we should do on site podcasts and they love that idea that you had they're like we should we should like organize like maybe we're we're doing like eight or ten episodes all in like one fell swoop but we're doing it in these haunted locations throughout like california or you know whatever state we're in yeah oh my god that would be my dream i know you know for anybody that doesn't know this, Silas and I did um, a, like a couple of shows together and our favorite thing was just like, I feel like our favorite thing was always exploring the theaters together and just like finding all the creepy stuff. Because they're inherently so, mischievous. Because they're inherently mischievous, inherently like haunted. Like we were like, we could give a shit about the actual show. We were like, just oh, no. I mean, the proscenium the is caving in on us. Like none of the lights yeah. work. I mean, it's definitely asbestos. <laughs> but if we go into the basement <laughs> of that venue. Give me that basement. It's dark. <laughs> give me that basement. <laughs> I'm going to print that on merch. <laughs> give me um, that basement, honey. <laughs> give me that basement. Oh, God. No, I, I would love to. I would love to, like, do a sleepover or something on, like, the Queen Mary. But we do, like, yes. two podcasts that night. Like, or we'll do, like, a twofer. I think oh this one God. this I one's going to be it. a twofer for sure. Yes. I'm going to, I think halfway through this, before we get into the theories, I'll probably, like, throw it off to a part two. And then we'll we'll circle back to that in the next episode. 
But all right, let me do a dive in on Missy Missy Beavers. It's Beavers, not Bevers. I was saying Bevers for like a week while researching this. It is Beavers. Well, because you want to believe that her name is not Missy Beavers, but <laughs> I, I wanted to. But and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Well, I'm going to give you the top line of just what went down, um, because okay. this is a pretty shocking case. But let me explain what happened the morning of. It is so, so sinister. Are you ready for this? <laughs> if that's not on our merch, I don't know what <laughs> is. This is so sinister. <laughs> so sinister. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll set the scene here. So our setting is on April 18th of 2016. This is pretty recent, actually. I feel like we, the latest we've done was Dylan Parker, and that was 2014. Yeah. Uh, this took place in the town of Midlothian, Texas. Um, a group of people walked into the Creekside Church of Christ early in the morning to take a fitness class with their instructor, Missy Beavers. When they walked in the room, the body of Missy Beavers was found on the floor covered in blood, with puncture wounds all over her head, face, and chest. She was pronounced dead almost immediately, and there's seemingly no explanation or motive to explain what happened in the church that morning. And so begins the mystery of Missy Beavers. Does any of that jog anything? Have you heard that any glimpse of the story? I had never heard of this, so I was shocked. No, but the fact that she's a fitness instructor checks yeah there's no <laughs> tracks there there's a lot to this case that's like highly specific to like who she was what she did for work the location i have never heard of a true crime case taking place in the church no 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 no. that's not true actually i there is a story of um i think a nun who was attacked i'll have mm -hmm. to double check what that was but uh th this one kind of threw me on my ass i'm not gonna lie let me actually now that i'm remembering this i do want to shout out the person who um, recommended this to us. I'm going to give a shout out to the creeper. I just want to look it up to make sure that I get the name right on air. Yeah. Let me see. But does, does that not Terry, freak you out? Terry it's, Bevers. It's Terry Bevers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terry. No, that's so weird because I mean, the whole like circumstances are just strange to begin with. Cause like, uh, first of all, it, a murder happening in a church is already bizarre, but the, that she's teaching a class, a fitness class? Weird. Well, yeah, kind of a non-suspecting time to get attacked, right? But we're going to get yeah. into a little bit of, like, the odd circumstances around this. And this case is fascinating because it has so much camera footage of what went down that morning. Yeah, it's one of these weird churches that has cameras inside, which is not super common, I would say. But yeah. while well, it's top of mind, um, this is a shout-out to Michelle Ramo. I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Michelle, if you're listening... You're a real creeper. Thank you so much for suggesting this case because I'm about to throw stew on her ass. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> All right. So let me give you a little bit of background on the actual town itself, Midlothian, Texas. So Midlothian, Texas is about 25 miles southwest of Dallas. Um, and it was considered kind of a small town, I think, in the 90s. But it has this massive cement industry. There's like three or four different cement plants that are in this town. So that was really instrumental in kind of growing the population rapidly. I think sometime between 2000 to 2010, they see like a 112% boom in the population there. It's still kind of considered a semi-small town. Maybe around 2016, there were between like 20 to 25,000 people living there. But the point is, is that it is a safe town, you know, relatively um, mm -hmm. highly religious town as well. 
And the thought that something like this could happen, that a woman could be found bludgeoned in a church, was unbelievable at the time. And the case is still unsolved. That's the craziest part about this. But to give you more uh, context on this actual church, because I know I mentioned there are cameras inside the church, which kind of confused me. The church is kind of acting almost like a um, like a community center. It's kind of like a town center where like there is there is like a worship space and it is a proper church, but there's also a preschool that's run out of there. And there are like, you know, community rooms where you can hold classes, a.k.a. a fitness class where Missy Beavers was going to teach. Um, I think there's even um, there's something else in that church that that operated out of there. But you get you get the point. It was cross functional. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, did you go to preschool in a church? Because I did. I did. And that's why yeah, we're I locked like together. Very Southern Bites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you wait? Did you go to preschool in a church? I did go to preschool in a church. Yeah. Um, no. It was not a Catholic church, although I was raised Catholic, so I don't know why I ended up there. <laughs> wait, was this a Catholic church? No. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm actually not 100% sure. It is just labeled as the Creekside um, Church of Christ, so I'm just assuming standard christian church yeah they went to a presbyterian church preschool i really we know the catholics are most likely not holding fitness classes most likely yeah that's most likely not happening (laughs) in any church of catholicism yeah i i do remember growing up kind of um the trauma of growing up catholic because i went through the whole process of like communion um getting confirmed at 15 and Mm -hmm. there is a part um when you're like eight or nine when you go through communion where you have your first confessional that was a lot. An eight or nine year old's mind sitting across from, I, we didn't even have a confessional box. We sat across from our priest, like looking face to face. And he was like, tell me your sins. <laughs> me at eight years old. And what was your sin? <laughs> um, well, I thought of something on the fly. I was like, I think I could be nicer to my sister. I didn't try as hard as I could have on my homework. I was like, he, it's, he's lucky he didn't ask me at 15 because I don't think we'd have enough time. <laughs> like, I, th- I think I would have been ushered out of the church. Oh, it's amazing. Doused in holy water. Which was also, I don't know, c- Catholic churches and like Catholic ceremonies seemed very unsanitary to me as like a, a young child, like drinking the blood of Christ. Oh, ha- yeah. Having father, like, quite literally put his fingers in your mouth to give you the body of Christ. Literally. I know my, I wasn't, um, I was raised Episcopalian, which we call oh. diet Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, like, my mom always telling me, she was like, do not put your mouth on the cup of, like, Don't. Jesus's blood. Yeah. Every, every mom is whispering that. She was like, do not yeah. drink from that wine glass. Do not drink that. It's tainted. <laughs> give you a Welch's grapefruit juice after this. Because I was told when I was a kid, there was always some woman at the church who like, I don't know if this was true because I never got a good look at her, but I remember my mom telling me, she was like, that woman always has a cold sore and she always goes up and drinks (laughs) the blood of Christ. So we are not going up there. We're not drinking from that goblet. (laughs) She's like the pewter goblet feels, it has a cooling effect on my cold sore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just so like in hindsight it's even fouler than i remember but i i do remember that being whispered to in the church it was like don't you go up there and drink that oh my god but for all intents and purposes it was a a very a very chill church compared to the one that yeah. missy beavers encountered but the church is really not involved in this in, in any way shape or form of what happened to her it just happens to be the location where this went down 
Um, but I do think the schedule of Missy Beavers being a fitness instructor and adhering to this fitness schedule, this class schedule, is really important to some of the theories about like who did this and why and how they knew she would be there. So I'm going to give you some background on her just so you I can paint the picture of who this woman was. Um, you know, from everything I've read, she's an incredibly sweet and warm person, and she was really well-liked in this community. As I said, she goes by Missy, but her real name was Terry. At the time that she died, she was about 45 years old, and she was actually from Graham, Texas, um, before she married, I think in 1986 or 89, and that's when she moved a bit closer to Midlothian. She originally got her bachelor's in science and then eventually went back to school to get a teaching certificate so she could teach children with special needs. Like, on paper, she is the sweetest, most selfless person. And then after that, she did eventually move in with um, Brandon, her husband, and they lived in a town called Red Oak, which is only about 20 minutes from the church where Missy was going to teach that morning. She was a very normal mom. She had three daughters with her husband, and she later in life, after getting her teaching certificate to teach children with special needs, found this passion for fitness, and she was great at it. So that was when she became a full-time fitness instructor, and she would teach gladiator boot camp classes. And one of the particular locations where she would teach was this church, Creekside Church of Christ. Um, for context on gladiator boot camps, it's very similar. Um, from what I researched, it's very similar to CrossFit. These are pretty intense classes. Uh, but everyone who you know knew her, knew her as an instructor, as a friend, um, as Brandon's wife, just knew her as a wicked social person so friendly, so accessible, and I think that's kind of in the nature of a teacher for the most part, especially someone who teaches fitness. You know, I mm -hmm. you don't typically run into people who are asses who are who are in this field. They they like working with people, they like helping people, getting people to their goals. But I, I do think that her being a fitness instructor adds this kind of strange layer of context to what actually went down. And like she was a pretty agile and strong person you know so when we do find out who the suspect is um it's confusing to me that maybe she couldn't have fought them off knowing the training that she had because i think she also had self-defense training which is insane wow but um that's going to play a bit more into some of the, the eerie theories around this but let's actually dive into what went down so i'm going to walk you through the morning of but before I do, do you have any any commentary on Missy herself? No. She, yeah, she really just seems like it's it's very alarming to me that someone who, you know, is, is seemingly just a kind, generous, kind of selfless local person, has a very normal job, normal family life, could fall into circumstances like this unless there was something sinister going on behind the scenes. Right. Which, Did you say she was married? Yeah, she was married. She's married to her husband, okay, okay. Brandon, um, which we'll get into as well about some of the theories yeah. around this. And they have three daughters together, and they live in Red right. Oak, Texas, about 20 minutes away. Okay. okay. So if we start this day off, we're actually going to go back to the day before, because she was found the morning of April 18th. So it was the 17th of April. It was thunderstorming all day, all night. So the scene is already set, you know. Mm -hmm. And that evening, um, Missy is set to teach a 5 a.m. class the following morning. So she actually posts on her Facebook where she would often communicate with you know, her students. And she says something to the effect of, if it's raining, we're still training. So it's for sure that she's going to be there. She's teaching that class. She's ready to roll at 5 a.m. 
despite the thunderstorms that are going to carry on through the morning. So on the actual morning of April 18th, 2016, Missy gets up wicked early. She's up at around 3.30 in the morning because she's going to take some time to get ready, which is shockingly early to me. I mean, I know she's got a 20-minute drive and she's got to get dressed and ready, but she also has to lug in a lot of equipment for this class from her car. So she's up very early for that 5 a.m. class, and this was very normal for her. She would often get up so early so she could um, set up, so she could prepare, make herself feel energized before she was going to teach. But that's also interesting to note because it's a pattern of hers that only, I think, a select few people would know that Missy is like an early riser and she's typically going to arrive up to an hour before she's set to teach a class, even if it's a 5 a.m. class. Oh, my gosh. So sometime after she arrived, something goes down in that church. And it's between the hours of, I think, her arriving at 4.20 and when the class starts to roll in, which is a little before 5 a.m. or 5 after 5. At 5 after 5, students pile into the room after they're confused because they weren't, like, greeted anywhere. And that's when she's found on the floor. To paint the picture of this, it is a chilling sight. Imagine walking into a room where you're set to see an instructor of sorts, a teacher, and she's found on the floor, pool of blood, and they released in the statement that she had puncture wounds all over her head and her chest. And I think the, the phrase puncture wounds was really strategic because at the time when they said that, they weren't looking to reveal um, what the actual wounds were from. Was it a knife? Was it, was it a gun? Because they were kind of holding on to that tidbit of information for whoever they interviewed to see mm-hmm. if they would like cough it up during the interrogation because only that person who did this would know it because so, know. so far in the public, they had only released puncture wounds. But after the footage was released and from the evidence that was found at the scene, we're almost pretty sure that it was hammer marks. Someone had attacked her with a hammer so badly it had caused holes in her head, face, and chest. This is what they walk into in this classroom. So everyone goes into complete shock. It is absolute chaos. People are panicking, freaking out. No one knows if she's still alive, if they can get her treatments. They've got 911 on the phone. But she's almost immediately pronounced gone by the time police arrive. Uh, And what's even eerier is that the classroom had already been partially set up. So I think she had made a couple of trips back and forth to her car, like going in and out of this church to like bring in equipment herself, just by herself and just get the class ready. But then at some point in that classroom, she was confronted with this person. And it's still dark outside at this time too. And storming. Just the most eerie, sinister scenario of what you could walk in on. But that's not actually the creepiest part about this. Although the murder itself was shocking, what came to light later that day was the camera footage. So, yeah, police are pretty overwhelmed um, by this case because, again, they're not used to handling a case as gruesome as this. Specifically a woman being bludgeoned in a church. And it was just so seemingly brutal and senseless that they just didn't know where to start. But what they did realize was that there were security cameras inside the church. So they turned to the cameras. I believe there's one in the main hallway and there was actually one inside the room where Missy was found that caught the entire attack on film. It's never been released. It has never (gasps) been released, but we know some key details of what was seen. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But the footage that everybody knows is of the main hallway. 
So they turned to that footage from the night before, and they saw that Missy had arrived at the church at exactly 4.20 in the morning to get things set up. That was confirmed. They go back a bit further in that footage to around 3.30 a.m. Remember, Missy is just waking up at the time. She's all the way in, like, Red Oak, Texas. At 3.30 in the morning, a person broke into that church by breaking the door window so they could kind of get the handle turned and they could let themselves in. What's instantly chilling about this footage, it is a person who's seen on camera getting into the church who is in head-to-toe SWAT gear. Like, to the floor, these shoes that are just, like, a little too big for them, which is interesting. Kind of baggy SWAT gear, like a full vest, um, gloves, and a full helmet concealing their face. And they're walking, holding the hammer through the church. A helmet? A full, yeah, a SWAT gear helmet. Can I tell you, like, this might sound crazy, but the my thought process here is, like, okay, I feel like they knew they were going to attack Missy, mm-hmm. which that might be obvious, but, like, it's almost like they knew how strong she was, and they were, like, coming ready to, for, like, battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, you're, you're dead on. There are a lot of people who insist that this could have been, like, wrong place, wrong time. This was a robbery. Yeah. I highly reject that theory. I think so much of this was so deliberately timed. And like you said, that the uniform itself was so protective that, it, it, to me, it indicates that this was targeted towards Missy. We just don't know why someone would do this to her. Yeah. So there's some more, there are some other details about this camera footage that are a bit strange about this person. And... I can't wait to hear what you think about this. So the footage gets a little more interesting because they're looking at this and they're watching this person who broke in and they're walking around. And what's strange is that they seem somewhat familiar with the church. Like they, they kind of seem like they know where things are and like which doors lead where, um, but they're also very clearly looking for someone through or look, yeah, looking for a person. We're not sure if they're looking for Missy, but they're kind of peering into windows. They're opening up doors. They're looking around, holding this hammer um, and then suddenly, uh, what kind of changes a lot about this is that we, we realize that, okay, if they're in there and they're deliberately looking for someone and they're holding a hammer, you know, this isn't what police in- initially suspected, which could have been like a robbery gone wrong, but this seems like someone who was coming in for battle. They were coming in to attack. What's strange about the person physically is that they're a little bit larger, um, kind of like a wider person, a little stocky. They're also very, very short. They're about 5'2 to 5'7. Um, I'm not 100% on Missy's height, but I think she was around 5'6, five, 5'7. Five, but this person was considerably shorter. And police described in several warrants, I think, and in the actual statement that they had a very feminine um, walk and very feminine body language, which changed their suspect list to, you know, they had initially suspected this might have been a man. It could have also been a woman. And they have a very distinctive walk. They referred to it as um, a gait, which I had never heard of before. But it's kind of um, the way that you swing your leg. If your leg has an injury yeah. to it, you probably heard of that. And this person on their right leg were, were kind of walking with like a swing to it. Like there was an injury. Something was wrong at the hip. Something might have been wrong at the knee. We weren't really sure. People have, have viewed this. Um, investigators have viewed this video. Some people say that that's for sure someone who has a leg issue. Some people are saying it's... Uh, it's a result of how heavy the gear was that this person was carrying, the SWAT gear. But we can watch the video at some point, and, and I'll let you make your call on that. 
So as they're looking through the halls, they're kind of aimlessly wandering halls and they have all these weird ticks. They're like fidgeting with things. They're like playing with things on the walls. They're like kind of dragging the hammer on the wall. They're, they're doing stuff of what police would describe as like nervous ticks. You know, somebody who's maybe mm-hmm. not familiar with doing something like this and they're feeling anxious about it. And they're just perusing these halls waiting early, waiting for Missy to arrive, as it would seem. What police also called out who have reviewed the video is that on the note of the SWAT gear, the gear that this person's wearing seems to be fake. It's like a costume, which is also strange because to your idea of like, well, if this person was coming in to attack and they were trying to gear up so that they couldn't be hurt if Missy fought back, it's, it's strange that they would opt for fake SWAT gear, costume gear, unless they were trying to impersonate an officer and stay inconspicuous that way. Yeah, that was going to be my thought. Just in case they wanted to like back out at the last minute, like yeah, if she showed up at four, you know, early in the morning, and they're like, "Actually, I don't want to do this. I'm gonna, I'm going to pretend like I'm security, or I'm, you know." Yeah, I mean, it would be shocking something. to see security in full SWAT gear, but I, I think that was the idea too. <laughs> yeah, but like if they if they didn't have, I don't know, if they didn't have access to, like if that was the best they had, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. Well, you can tell when you're looking at it in the video, you can almost tell that it's a costume because the helmet of the SWAT gear is shiny. It's almost like it's plastic, whereas true SWAT gear, it's matte because I think it's metal. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and the clothes, they're oversized. Like it was clearly like something that was maybe bought at a secondhand shop or this was not this was not someone who I think had access to this SWAT gear through their job. Right. Um which is interesting. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it may have also given them a way to get closer to Missy if they had confused her and were posing as an officer. Because you inherently start to trust an officer. I think if you're somehow spooked, you know, like someone creeps up on you in a room, but suddenly it's someone in uniform. You're like, oh, is, is something wrong? Do I need to leave the building? And then suddenly they pull a hammer yeah, on course. you. Of course, that's been happening for, you know, decades where people impersonate yeah. officers to commit crimes. Uh, one additional piece of um, strange evidence, I think, is that the timing of this is very specific. We should note that the car pulls in. The car is also seen on camera, but it's too grainy. It's too pixelated to actually make out you know, the full make and model, let alone the plate, or if there's somebody else in that car. But the car actually pulls up and gets into the building, I think, between 3.30 to 3.50, And it seems very deliberate that they were there just before, like 30 minutes before Missy walks through those doors. That had to be someone, I think, who probably knew her schedule. For one, knew that she was going to be there. So, like, clearly followed her fitness schedule closely, but also knew that she was the type of person who gets there exceptionally early. And they would have an opportunity to kind of um, just be planted inside. Do you know if this was her first time teaching at this location or was this? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah, she would she would teach this class, the gladiator classes there pretty often, actually. Okay. Yeah, so which gives way to a whole host of theories about, like, well, it had to be someone who was a student, somebody who, like, knew her, someone who is in that world, the fitness world, who, who understands, like, how she operates as an instructor and, like, what her schedule is, or mm-hmm. somebody at home who knows her schedule intimately. Or I was thinking someone that works at the church. Yeah. Yeah, which strange. I haven't thought about that actually, huh? That that could be true. Although I don't know if anyone's explored that because that 
that would be interesting too. someone who has access to the church, but kind of stage stages things as if they're breaking in to make it look like there's somebody oh, who right. doesn't. You're right. You're right. They broke into the church. No, yeah. no, no. But I'm saying that could, mm. that could be a ploy as well. I mean, if, clearly if they're going to the lengths of like, they understand that there are cameras in that church. So it's gotta be someone who has right. been to the church before and knows that they're yes. going to be on camera at some point. What's really eerie about this too, is that the camera that was in the room where Missy was attacked, um, catches the person in the act of doing it they filmed it on their cell phone like the attacker had their phone out filming them attacking missy filming the camera or filming filming themselves attacking missy oh my god yeah like holding out their phone in front of them as they're doing it while she's on the floor it is insane has that video been released? No, 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 no. That video has oh never been God. released. It's only ever been the footage from outside of the church. And that hallway footage, I think, has been the most publicly studied. Uh, because that gives the, the biggest window into, like, the walk, the stature, um, the height, the weight. Like, all of these these clues mm -hmm. that kind of don't add up or, or kind of throw us off. Like, who the hell is this person? Why are they doing this? So... As you can imagine, this creates a bit of a challenge for the investigators because they have all of this strange evidence of like, okay, we have a very specific physicality to this person and we have all of this footage, um, but there's no motive here. We don't know who would have wanted to do this to this woman. We don't know where they came from and we don't know what car they drove off in because it was too pixelated because of the thunderstorm. So I think what they end up concluding um, pretty early on, just based on like, the vicious nature of how this was carried out and also them filming it themselves on their cell phone was that this was very clearly a targeted attack. Although there are still people mm -hmm. who just insist that this was someone who was breaking in, who just took an opportunity um, when they got scared because they, they didn't anticipate being confronted by somebody at like four or five in the morning uh, and, and took it as an opportunity to carry out something really, really sinister. Um, I'm going to do a dive into the actual investigation where they start going through potential suspects and ruling folks out, but I want to hear mm -hmm. what your thoughts are so far. I, don't know. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> the first thought I had, like when you started saying that it was someone that was five two, someone mm -hmm. that was short, I was like, is this like some jealous, like female, like, I don't know. I was thinking like, like an enemy of sorts, yeah. like um, someone that had gotten really close with her and then was very, you know, for whatever reason, could have been like jealousy. It could have been having feelings towards, I don't know, yeah, but like there was so a strange, the second you said, yeah, like the second you said, shorter kind of a female vibe or stature and then knowing that um she taught this class and that it was a recurring class there was some weird thought I had that like maybe this was like a student of hers yeah. or like a woman on woman know. dynamic well there's also yeah. there's an argument against the police um because that was I think the the official report or that was a part of some warrant um because they wanted to lean towards you know interviewing women as potential suspects in this but to do so you have to get permission from a judge to sign off on certain warrants so to build that case the argument is that the police were kind of stretching 
stretching their observations of the video to say, well, this person had a particularly feminine walk or, or they seem to you know, fit the profile of a female, so we would interview female suspects. And maybe they were just exacerbating something that wasn't there to try to get permission from a judge for the warrant. Whether or not they actually believe it was a woman, we don't know. But even in, I think in any dynamic, this is brutal, but specifically in thinking of like a jealous friend uh, or like a, I don't know, a woman who was betrayed by Missy. This is so extreme. I mean. Yeah. So until plot to corner somebody in a church at four in the morning using a hammer is insane to me. Like you're not. The hammer and the filming of the act. Oh my God. The filming. strange costume. This person was absolutely deranged. That that's like the most shocking part about it. I'm like, this is like, this is like a sick person. Like normal people, even people who have, um, they become like, uh, enraged with jealousy. They don't carry out things like this. And the use of a hammer is also really interesting. Police have talked about this as well. And they've made a lot of arguments against this being like a hire, like a hit for hire or, or something that um, was, was coming from someone who knew what they were doing or maybe like had no personal connection to Missy, just had to like take her out. The use of mm-hmm. a hammer, uh, forensic investigators have weighed in on. They've said that's very specific. That's someone who has something against this woman because most people just use a gun. It's, yeah. it's the quickest. It's the most surefire thing you can use to take somebody out. But this was a person who wanted to beat her. Yeah. It's menacing, but I'm going to I'm going to do a deep dive into this investigation because they do uncover some additional footage and some other details that are going to confuse you a bit. So if we discuss the actual investigation, as you can imagine, it's massive news and the police are initially suspecting the husband because, of course, you go to the spouse first. Right. Mm -hmm. So he actually conveniently has an alibi Um, where he was out of town on an annual fishing trip, I think, with his brother in Mississippi. Um, But his friends were there, too, and this was corroborated that he was out of town. It just happened to fall on the same evening, or morning, actually, uh, that Missy was found. This attack happened. So Brandon, the husband, is in Mississippi, and then they turn attention to Brandon's father, Missy's father-in-law, who was also conveniently out of town and also had an alibi, where he said he was traveling in California at the time. So the warrants surrounding the father-in-law were kind of interesting because police connect a few dots and they realize pretty quickly that he fits the physical description of the person who was seen on camera. He's a stockier guy, shorter, like fits that 5'2 to 5'7 profile, and he actually has something wrong with his right leg, which matched uh, the gate while he was walking. Mm-hmm. Um it was just so close to like the person and, and the way they carried themselves in the SWAT gear that they were, they were like, it's gotta be the father-in-law and this is some sort of a ploy for like life insurance for the son or, or some, something, there's something twisted in there. Plus like they're not really buying the alibi straight away. And about four days following the actual murder, he ends up going to a dry cleaners where he turns in four garments that are all stained with blood. So, this gets uncovered and police are like, we've got him. We've got the guy. It's, it's got to be the father-in-law. He's turning in garments that are stained with blood. And it's actually the dry cleaners that calls the police. And they're like, we, we think something's off here. There's a lot of blood on these garments. He insists that it's um, dog's blood because he broke up a dog fight with a chihuahua that they owned uh, while he was traveling in California. So police aren't buying it, but they go ahead and they test the blood anyway. As it turns out, 
all of his stories actually seems to check out. They were able to confirm he was traveling in California based on phone records. There's security camera footage of him in the airport. And they do test the blood and it is dog's blood. Wow. It just happened to be and it just happened to be a very strange coincidence that he fit the profile so closely, but also all of these weird things of like the twisted alibi, the strange story about breaking up a dog fight. It was just I don't know. I, I would suspect him too. It was highly coincidental. But after they kind of rule out the father-in-law and they rule out the husband, they're kind of back to square one. Um, and they're just not really sure where to look at this point because they were the only leads in terms of motive that could make sense of this case. So I think that's around this time when another video surfaces from the night slash morning that Missy was attacked. This is actually right after midnight, early, early morning of the 18th before this person even arrived at the church. Mm -hmm. So this is a week after the incident. It's a sporting goods store that contacted the police with footage that seemed to show the same car that was seen outside of the church. It was entering their parking lot at the sporting goods store shortly after midnight through the storm. If you look at the video, it's wicked sinister. It's pouring rain. The person initially comes into the back parking lot. They turn off their headlights and kind of stop the car for a second. And then they turn their headlights back on. And they park directly under a like a overhead lamp in the parking lot, which is really bizarre behavior. It was like they couldn't make up their mind if what the, whether or not they wanted to be inconspicuous, yeah, or they wanted to be clearly seen on video if they assumed they were on video. It's just a it's just a little strange. So they're doing some odd stuff um, with the headlights. They're kind of circling around the area in the Stark Park parking lot a few times, and. Again, these, these could fall in line with like the nervous tics that we were seeing carried out in the hallway of somebody who was really anxious because they knew that in just a few hours what they were going to do, what they would encounter. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't make up their mind and they just felt very, uh, it just seems odd and indecisive and just very something very nervous about it. So you watch this footage through the pouring rain and the lightning and it's almost impossible to fully make out like, again, what kind of car this is. Like we know it's a light sedan. We just don't know the make model or the plate. Uh, there is something that's caught in the video. I think at the very end of the video where the car is actually exiting the, the parking lot. And this is, I think closer to 1am, maybe like 1231. The car exits the parking lot and you get a, very, very short glimpse inside the driver's side window where you would expect to maybe see our, our suspect, a short person in SWAT mm -hmm. gear. You can't make out, you know, who exactly is sitting in the, drive, the driver's side or if there's other people in the car. But what you can make out through the silhouette is that whoever's driving the car has the front, has the seat pulled all the way back. Like they're an extremely tall person. Like... They need all that legroom. It was, it's so strange because we're pretty sure that that is the same car. Um, it, would, it would just be highly coincidental timing-wise if it wasn't. And also the odd behavior. But I'm trying to make sense of that. Like, so we've got a person who's roughly like 5'2", maybe a little bit more. And we're seeing someone driving this car who's well over six feet. How do we explain that? I mean, the only thing I can think of is that oh, this person was trying to leave a trail of strange, mm -hmm. you know, things. But I don't think this person knew that there were going to be 
cameras right there. I mean, probably not in the sporting goods parking lot, unless which yeah. is, they're just like strategic every step of the way, and they want to throw off, yeah. throw off the trail. Um, or there's or another if person. you're trying to like maybe, yeah, well, yeah. that or like if you're trying to like maybe hide yourself from where the door kind of meets the. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're trying to, like, lean like back. Like, align your driver, yeah, with, like, the panel, I guess, of the car so that someone can't look in and see you. I don't know. That seems so far-fetched. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very possible. I You really don't know what's going on inside the mind of someone like this. But what I think is pretty clear is that we did know this was somebody who... This was somebody who, who definitely knew there would be cameras in that church. So, to yeah. me, that tells me something, that this is someone who's hyper-aware that... There's, they're running the risk that they could be caught on camera for this. Yeah, They're just taking the precautions necessary to avoid that or conceal their identity through that. Because again, yeah. they carried out the actual murder just right in front of a camera in the studio. They, they, this person must have been so sleep deprived too. Like the fact that they're staying up all night and running around like a chicken with their head cut off, like oh before God. they do the act. Oh my God. I just can't even imagine what would be going on in the, in the mind of somebody like that. Just getting to the actual location, just knowing yeah. in the next hour you're going to take somebody's life. And I do yeah. not think this was the first, or I do think this was the first time this person probably did something like this. I, this does not strike yeah. me as like a serial killer. No, it's a very deliberate targeted attack. Um, I think we should take a break before we jump into part two of this, which is going to be the theories. Uh, so if you are going to stick around to hear the theories about what actually happened to Missy Beavers, you can do so in part two of this episode. <laughs> 